Hello and welcome to Watering Seeds, a podcast conversation that reviews and reapplies the preached word to our own minds and hearts and to those of our listeners. Watering Seeds is a podcast ministry of Covenant Reformed Presbyterian Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Today we will be discussing our recent sermon on Genesis 11 and the first parts of chapter 12 entitled The Man of Faith. You can hear the sermon at our website, covenantreform.net. Uh, it's always helpful to listen to the sermons before listening to the podcast, as we will be discussing uh, this sermon today. My name is Sean McCann. I'm one of the pastors at Covenant Reformed, and I am here with my fellow pastor, Chris Brown. Welcome, Chris. How are you today? Hey, Sean. Doing well. How's your weekend? Good. Keeping up the gardening. Oh, there it is. Yep. Yep. Three weeks Three in a row. Three weeks in a row. Uh, you know, we're called watering seeds, so... <laughs> we need we need to have gardening metaphors or something every week. I, I had somebody say they were listening to this and they were like, "Wait a second, is this like a gardening podcast?" And they're like, "No, no, 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 yeah. it's not a gardening podcast. Spiritual gardening. There you go, spiritual gardening. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, we had a good solid rain yesterday for anything planted. Maybe we're trying to kill our grass." Okay. And we have cardboard laid over it, and the rain is supposed to help kill the grass. Okay. Okay. There you go. I hope it works. Uh, me too. <laughs> we spent all day yesterday uh, at a regional presbytery meeting, so our podcast is coming out uh, a day late. So for us, it's reaching back in our memories over a busy day, mm. <laughs> a busy few days uh, to go back to the sermon. Uh, but it is a wonderful, I won't say wonderful sermon, but it was at least a wonderful text. Uh, that we use to begin a different stage in our journey in the book of Genesis. And really, as I think I said in the sermon or on the podcast, I can't remember, the next three or four months are devoted to Abraham. Abram, whose name becomes Abraham, and his um, life as an individual life, receiving the promises of God, but also a, a life that is illustrating for us the life of faith. The, the title of my sermon was The Man of Faith. I saw you're preaching this this <laughs> Sunday. What was the title of your sermon for Sunday? <laughs> the Man of Weak Faith. I like it. I like <laughs> it. Not to criticize your sermon, just to the next section. I guess it's the next chapter sort of illustrates what sort of a faith this is. Yeah, and that was part of the point that we're seeing a little bit is the idea of Abram is not this rock-solid hero mm-hmm. that we try to be like. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is one who has faith by faith he receives and believes the promises of God and then he struggles through life uh, on mountaintops and down in the valley that sort of transitions into the uh, the metaphor I use the overarching metaphor of the sermon which I got from a Eugene Peterson quote especially on his book on the pilgrim psalms which are the psalms of ascent which I preached on last Two, two years ago. Um, and we did that during prayer meeting too, right? Yes. Or did we? Yeah, we did. Yes. We went through that in prayer meeting too. Yeah. On Wednesday nights. Right. So he, he looks at there being a spiritual metaphor of a tourist versus a pilgrim. Uh, and we are in a unique city where we interact with tourists <laughs> more than I ever did living in Charlotte, uh, growing up in Durham. Uh, we see tourists um, all over the place. And 
my illustration was I got stuck behind one last week, <laughs> a vehicle full of tourists that prevented me from getting where I wanted because they wanted to experience the city in a very different way that I did. Any Anywhere you want to jump off as we begin on that contrast between a tourist and a pilgrim and what it, how it might help us set up Abraham's life and think about our life in this world? Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm going to get grumpy here, <clears throat> but uh, yeah. Americans, we are, we are pretty much tourists. Like we like being tourists. Um, and unfortunately it reflects in our spiritual life as well. We want to go find the church that provides the, you know, whatever particular things, sort of like if we were going on vacation, we want something that checks the certain marks. Like, well, I don't really prefer the beach. I prefer the mountains. And so we view sort of view church that way and worship that way, and um, obviously we should go to a place that we have shared convictions. But the matter of taste and preference is supposed to be lower on the scale. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm going in the wrong direction here, but that's what immediately jumps to mind. Yeah, I think it, the what, local church is an example of seeking yes. an experience. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The tourist experience of the local church. Yeah, but. The pilgrim life is bigger than just that, but yeah. it's it's a major expression of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you take those paradigms between, I mean, the image I use is of this weird. What do you call this thing downtown? Beer bike. The beer bike. Is that really what it's called? I I think so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and it's you know it's it's a dozen friends on a bike drinking beer on a vehicle in which they pedal just to seems move like it forward. Torture to me. Right. <laughs> right. Me too. So it goes very slowly, uh, and they kind of. And, you know, they're yelling at people and they're laughing and they're a little bit imbibed. But the image of a pilgrim and you think of a group of people traveling together, uh, you know, and think of that picture of life together as a church, uh, that we are journeying together. Now, we are not, you know, we live in Asheville. We're not physically journeying through Asheville. And that's where maybe the comparisons break down. But we, we are pursuing God. We intend to seek God. We intend to be bound together with other Christians to help them and for them to help us mm. seek God together. Because we know we can go a whole lot further uh, in a much safer way together than we can separate, as opposed to hopping around and seeing what uh, in, what will spiritually entertain us that day. Mm-hmm. Abram is journeying to a place, a land. We get his journey. He goes by pretty quick, but then at the end of our passage, he's still journeying. And then... As soon, you know, we jumped to the passage this Sunday and all of a sudden he's far away from the land mm-hmm. and he comes back. And uh, So that he is always sort of, he's not on a, a one line journey either, right? He's in, this sets up for us the journey of the, the Hebrews out of Egypt. I mean, it's, some say that Moses' intention in writing the whole Pentateuch or writing Genesis is to help his people who are understanding where they are in life and seeing these stories of these paradigms of these people journeying following god uh, that is that sets up for us how we are journeying and following god there's two parts that I identified very clearly in the text and two parts in the sermon uh, which is that god calls abram abram with promises and abram follows god with faith the text begins with uh, god's initiative and god's promise which begins our life and calling as Christians, and then it is marked as we go by Abram following God with faith. 
Uh, so that first point, uh, verses 1 to 3 of chapter 12, uh, show that God commands uh, and Abram leaves. You think there's much left out here, intentionally or unintentionally, by our author about what may have happened in the between times? <clears throat> yeah, like it doesn't say. And then Abram saddled up his camels and <laughs> Abram gathered together all of his possessions and he, yeah, this is how long it took and we know how long a move takes today. Mm-hmm. It worked differently back then, but it still was a massive endeavor mm-hmm. to become a, a nomad uh, or to live a nomadic life. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, the the author leaves all that stuff out mm-hmm. and just focuses on the promise and uh, what's commanded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he begins, interestingly, by telling him all he has to leave, mm-hmm. right? Your country, your kindred, your father's house. Yeah, I think it's a narrowing sort of of concentric circles, mm-hmm. like a bullseye, outward going in, but it's ramping up the intensity as you get closer, mm-hmm. right? What's the hardest to leave? Your your nation or your, your state or your fam? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have... Um, I think a, you know, a, a parallel to this, maybe the closest parallel in the modern day is the missionary call, right, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are called to go in a cross-cultural context, you very much are leaving sort of these different concentric circles behind. So you can sort of parallel what that is with Abram. Anybody who's moved. Yeah, just moving to a different state. Right. Yeah, uh, Yeah. has a, a kind of a taste of that experience. Of course, uh, we have... Skype and mm. FaceTime and, you know, all the different ways to communicate uh, that for Abram, it was probably experienced more like a death, mm-hmm. right? Just leaving uh, leaving it all behind. And in fact, that is what happens. Uh, he kind of gets halfway. Uh, there is some debate over whether where he is when he receives this call. Uh, some say this references when he's all the way back in Ur and he and his father are called and they go together to the land of Haran and then Abram remembers the call once his father dies. And I've heard preachers say that the pause in Haran from when they arrived there to when they departed after Terah's death is an example of faithlessness. Hmm. I think that's a bit of a stretch with Hmm. the timeline here. Hmm. Uh, That's, I think, one possible way to put it together. Um, Others would say there's multiple calls here. Uh, The text is not presented for us to sort of solve that fairly minor mystery it's the the clearest point is that god calls god promises uh, and abram obeys uh the promises themselves i said there's seven uh some say that there's that's symbolic number all Mm -hmm. the promises it's full Mm -hmm. and all that Uh, it's uh, summarized as god blessing abram uh, in the first part to uh, bless him in particular with land and seed and then second part, verse 3, for his blessings uh, to flow uh, through Abram. Before we get on to how those are fulfilled, any immediate context, thoughts about that? You just mean like... In Abram's life. How it's fulfilled how it's, in his lifetime? Yeah, how it's understood, anything like that. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, even in his life, this is fulfilled in part. Um, I mean, we know from the letter to the Hebrews that he didn't really see the fulfillment of this uh, according to what God intended ultimately this to mean. So 
in a sense, no, he didn't really see it in his life. But in another sense, he did see kind of like a foreshadowing of it. Uh, he owned one plot of land, uh, which is where he buried his wife and where his own body gets buried. So he does inherit the land. And he has a son. He has a son. Um, he becomes a blessing to those around him. Mm-hmm. He blesses Lot. He blesses those with wealth. He's able to have military victory over those who dishonor him and his mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't see the ultimate picture of that. He never sees that. He doesn't see himself become a great nation. He doesn't see the extent to which he blesses the earth. Uh, he doesn't see the extent to which God blesses those who bless him and curse mm-hmm. those who curse him. And he doesn't see how all the families of the earth could be blessed in him. He, he doesn't see that in his life. Mm-hmm. So, so I, if you're in Abraham's, Abram's shoes mm-hmm. in this, what, 25-year period, mm-hmm. what are some emotions you're experiencing? <laughs> yeah. yeah it's when, is, when is God going to do it? Yeah. How long, O oh Lord? Yeah. Yeah. What we see, in part, is... He tries. It, there's accounts where he tries to take matters into his own hands. Mm-hmm. That's sort of a character trait of impatience, mm-hmm. right? Um, I can help God out. We're gonna get the land our way. We're gonna get the seed our way. Yeah, that's uh, that's how Paul. Is it Paul or the, whoever the author of Hebrews is? <laughs> he defines it. Well, no, no, it's Paul's typology in another letter. Um, Hagar as uh, the representative of faithlessness, not because of her, but because of Abram seeking through works to obtain the promise, mm-hmm. uh, this, the promised seed. And he goes through his own works. He goes through his own way instead of waiting with patience mm-hmm. for God to fulfill his mm-hmm. promise. And the irony is when he does it his own way, he really puts the promises of God in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Not that they're ever actually in jeopardy. But it appears that way. But it appears that way, right? Because now Isaac's, or Ishmael's older than Isaac. He seems like he's going to be the heir. And a threat. Yeah, yeah a direct threat. Yeah. So um, we can imagine what it would have been like in Abram's shoes. You, you know, maybe another experience would have been, you know, God, I listened when you called back then. Like, I came all this way. Mm-hmm. You kind of owe me this. Right. You're really going to make me continue to wander in this land for 25 more years? This is crazy. Uh, and then for many, many years after that. Mm. So we can see already the parallels to our spiritual pilgrimage lining up with Abram's physical and spiritual pilgrimage that he experiences. Um, at the end of that first point, I tried to show uh, some ways that God fulfills this promise ultimately in Christ. And I use the phrase, he he sends the son of Abraham. That is, Jesus comes in the lineage of Abraham. And secondly, he saves the sons of Abraham. That is, he makes Jew and Gentile alike by faith uh, become uh, sons of Abraham. And I looked at, I thought, actually, I think I might have skipped this for time during the sermon, but the scripture reference for that first point is Acts chapter 3. Verses 35 and 36 is the end of one of Peter's sermons mm-hmm. uh, in the book of Acts where he's addressing the Jews in particular. Did I talk about this in the sermon? You did. Okay. I, I, I don't think you did. I think I referenced I was a little the, distracted by a toddler. In how the dare series, you? But, <laughs> but I, be, I don't believe you did. I think I referenced the theology of it, but not the okay. text behind it. Uh, but there he's speaking. Peter is applying it specifically to the Jewish people 
as the sons of Abraham to whom Christ has been sent Hmm. as the seed, the blessing, in order that they would turn and believe, repent and believe. Hmm. And then this text from Genesis 12, 3 is quoted again by Paul in Galatians 3, verses 8 and 9, Hmm. about how the Gentiles are made sons of Abraham by Hmm. faith. And that's that old song, you know, Father Abraham had many sons. Mm-hmm. I'm one of them. Yeah. So were you. That's right. Um, so it's, a, it's an interesting, as I've been thinking about the last week, it's almost a twofold fulfillment of this promise. In the one sense, the promise comes true objectively in the arrival of Jesus, yes. right? Like the, the historic arrival of Jesus from the lineage of Abraham is part one of God's fulfillment. He's the bless. he's the seed. He is the singular seed. It's not it's not really about Isaac. Right. It's really about the Messiah. Right. Yes. Right. Secondly, the seed of Abraham sort of in a sense blossoms and flourishes and grows as the family of God is defined not by ethnicity or nationality or genealogy. It's de- it's defined by faith. It's everyone who's united to the Messiah. Yeah. They're they're in him. They're part of the seed. So are both both those are accurate ways of understanding the idea of to bless. Uh, I think is it pushing it too far to say it's a helpful way for us to understand our own salvation in that there is the objective part what's been done for us in Christ. Come, accomplished, completed, seated at the throne of God. And then there is the, the subjective or the working of the Spirit in us to give us the gift of faith by which we lay hold of Christ, that we sort of, we ourselves personally now experience that blessing brought mm. into the family of yeah. Abraham. That is accurate, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I think Galatians 3 is like a key uh, interpretive text here because, I mean, if we believe that authors of Scripture are inerrant, uh, that's a big deal. Um, Paul says that this promise to bless all the nations of the earth, all the families of the earth will be blessed in you, particularly in the seed, which he talks about later on in Genesis as well, um, that that is fulfilled ultimately in the sending of the Spirit, who he is the, he's the blessing because he unites us to Christ and we become Abraham's children in him. But the reason God can send the Spirit is because Christ has objectively accomplished the work. Mm-hmm. So exactly what you're saying, that he's come and done it objectively. Mm-hmm. He is the seed mm-hmm. who is the objective fulfillment. Mm-hmm. But then because he's done the work, he's paid the debt, mm-hmm. he has fulfilled all righteousness, he has the right now to send the Spirit to everybody he's purchased. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. Well, that's the gospel. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, like well, yeah. That's, that's a good way to articulate it. Yes. So that's the blessing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We get to be forgiven yeah, forever in Christ. Yeah. So I said at the end of the first point, one way of application is to say, are you a blessing? Mm. Are you a blessing to the nations? Mm. Um, I sort of meant that a little bit generic and then tried to mm-hmm. define how the Bible defines it. What's maybe a broader way of defining it as we would maybe in kind of the, the general evangelicalism yeah. of the day, how are we a blessing? Love your neighbor, take care of kids and the environment and other people and... Mm-hmm show compassion and do the hard work of uh, helping those who are hurting be nice be nice to people yeah you know yeah that i think that's the broad the really broad do civic good is that parallel with how abraham was a blessing to his neighbors yes in that 
he did the civic good of going to war <laughs> and rescuing his relative. Uh, and in the end, it was actually good for the city right next to him, who were, was wicked. It was a wicked city. Mm -hmm. But he helped them for the sake of his mm -hmm. relatives. So mm -hmm. he did a kind of good. Mm -hmm. um, he did good to his other neighbors around him, mm -hmm. not stealing their land or their messing with their water supplies, even though they stole his water supplies, you know, mm -hmm. I guess that's a parallel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ultimately, I think it's safe to interpret the blessing as a spiritual blessing. Yeah, it's it's normally not that broad. I mean, it, right? Yeah, right. It's a lot more narrow. Yeah, and that all the families, all the nations of the earth are blessed, and we understand that to be because members of every nation come to the one people of God through mm. faith in Christ, mm -hmm. and that comes through Abram, and so. A practical application for us is to think about, are we bearing witness uh, mm. in order to be a blessing to the nations? <laughs> so, I, I don't know, I don't, yeah. I don't really have a question for you, but just sort of leaving that for our hearers is just... And one, one question is, well, how did Abram do that? <laughs> did he do a good, very, very good job of it? I don't know. Um, but I like one of Packer's quotes, which is, bearing witness... Part of being an evangelist as a Christian, like without being committed, commissioned to the office of evangelist, is just being a Christian. Mm -hmm. It it's simply living as a Christian, mm -hmm. living as salt and light. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then there are particular times where you tell them mm -hmm. the gospel message. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think people get really anxious about. Mm -hmm. Well, I need to be. Does this mean I need to be? Mm -hmm sharing the particulars of the gospel message mm -hmm. every moment of my day mm -hmm. or I'm not doing my job. Right. I don't think so. Yeah. You don't see Abram doing that. Right. Maybe he's not the best. He would be helped model. if he lived by a biblical ethic. Yes. <laughs> Which we'll find out this Sunday. Right. Um, but I think you see that as a general pattern uh, with the apostles as well, is they do go out and they evangelize, mm -hmm. but they also live as godly people. Mm -hmm. And that provides the basis for their evangelistic mm -hmm. activity. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, God calls Abram with promise. Promises. Uh, Abraham, Abram follows God with faith. Verses 4 uh, to 9. Uh, he's traveling. Uh, verse 4, he obeys and he leaves. I compared him to Jonah who does the opposite. Uh, when he's called, here is where... It's this response that Hebrews 11 highlights by faith. Uh, he obeyed and went. We're going to see kind of where he stopped uh, along his way. Uh, but I did want to think for a moment on the proper relationship between faith and obedience. Hmm. Uh, and I mentioned the sermon. I, I know I went pretty fast over that point. Uh, it, it's not central to the text, but I think it's part of the confusion people have when they look at Abram. Right. Is he a man of faith or is he a man of faithfulness? Mm. Is he a man of faith or is he a man of obedience? Did because you, you mentioned the obedience of faith. Right? I did. That That's a quote good? from Romans. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Romans, somewhere early on, Romans 1, uh, the obedience of faith. Can you speak for a moment on how faith is not obedience, but the proper relationship between faith and <clears> obedience? <throat> or maybe you could even make it clear between faith and works. Yeah. Um, I was reading in... I was reading a book today on the atonement. I just finished it by George Smeaton, and he talks about the obedience of faith phrase. 
And he points out in his interpretation, that is saying faith is a, is an obedient response to the gospel call mm-hmm. to believe on the Lord Jesus mm-hmm. Christ and you will be saved. Mm-hmm. That is obedient. Mm-hmm. God says, come to the dinner table mm-hmm. and you come to the dinner table, you're obeying him. But what is the basis of our justification? Mm-hmm. It's not the fact that that's an obedient response. Like God says, oh, because you are so obedient, I'm going to reward you with merit mm-hmm. because you're obedient. Mm-hmm. That's not it. It's because faith receives this gift. And God grants faith as a gift to receive the gift. So there's also the idea of the obedience of faith is faith receiving Christ's obedience, uh, which is the primary thing I think we should be thinking about with Abram. Because later on, Abram uh, says he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Mm-hmm. That. That's the key phrase that mm-hmm. Paul addresses in Romans, that it's not the fact that by faith he went out and did this thing, and then God said, you're so obedient, I'm going to declare you righteous because you decided to do that. Sort of like Noah, it isn't God said, build an ark, and then Noah builds an ark, and then after that God says, because you were so obedient, I'm going to declare you righteous. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's out of grace I've picked you, mm-hmm. a sinner. You know, Abram is a sinner, an idolater. His dad's an idolater. We learn, I think that's in Hebrews. Mm-hmm. He went out from a, an idolater's mm-hmm. household. And the Lord graciously gives him the gift of faith to respond uh, in obedience. Mm-hmm. You, you might have put it this way, but uh, I think it's the idea of faith and repentance are so wedded together that a real faith will always have repentance with it. Mm-hmm. Did you? I didn't mention that. It's true. Because yeah. repentance is what is the obedient side that flows mm-hmm. flows out of that repentance. Mm-hmm. You you turn from living a certain way mm-hmm. to living another way. Mm-hmm. So it's Abram living a certain way in the in the pagan land, and God mm-hmm. calls him and. In faith, he rests on God's promise, and in repentance, he turns from living one way, and he starts right. living another way. Right. Um, so God, as a, a gift, gives all of it mm-hmm. to Abram. Yeah. And it's on the basis of that faith he justifies him. Yeah. Not on the basis of the obedience. Right. Right. And I think one thing to be clear on is that faith is not just a different type of work. Right. Right. It's not that he's lays aside some types of works, but he picks up the work of faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, faith is the opposite of work. It is the refusing to work. It's right. letting go of work. Mm. It's the falling upon something else. Yeah. However, to be clear in Abram's life, faith without works is dead. Mm-hmm. And you, you can't imagine Abram believing the promises of God and saying, but I'm good here and earth. Right. Right. Like that just, that doesn't compute. Mm-mm. Right, that is a that's cheap grace. That's a, and you can't even call that faith. I don't know what that you're is. Gonna, you're gonna, you're getting ahead to this next week. It's a shadow <laughs> of what cheap grace looks like. Called fake grace. It's empty grace. It's saying, oh yeah, I believe God's gracious. He's gonna forgive me everything. Yeah. So I'm just gonna not yeah. obey. Yeah. You but, know, that's it. Right. But we also don't see Abram obeying. While mumbling to himself, there's no way any of this is true. Right. I mean, we're sort of creating these but I'm really hoping comical I get, issues. I get stuff in the end yeah. Yeah. by obeying. Yeah. I think 
where I want to be clear about where kind of people are today is the simplicity of faith uh, and works show kind of the genuineness of faith, Mm -hmm. but they are not faith. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we don't need to call our salvation into doubt when we stumble. (laughs) Right. It'd be great if we didn't. That'd be great if Abram didn't have any of these issues he's about to have, but we do in a sense. Mm -hmm. So uh, he is the man of faith that lays hold of Christ. He is obedient to the call of the gospel. Uh, He shows his obedience and his willingness to go. Uh, and hear God's word, but he is certainly going to struggle along the way. The remarkable thing is that he does believe. It really is, and that he does go. He, I mean, if you're, if we backed up to look at the rest of Genesis, I mean, this, the people have been scattered. Who knows if there's any godly seed left? Like right. the same issue that happened before Noah is happening again. Right, and then God comes and says hey i've chosen you yeah i've picked you <laughs> yeah uh, anyway i just think that shows it's all of god's sovereign grace towards a sinner yeah i mean he's out of nowhere mm-hmm. just this dude hanging out over yeah. in babylon yeah pagan mm-hmm. having no idea what's going on so well we are uh running out of time uh the the i ended the sermon kind of drawing back in the idea of a pilgrimage because it says in the last verse and abram journeyed on uh, sort of the the journey continues. He continues to be uh, the man of faith, and it points us uh, as those who are on pilgrim pilgrims on a pilgrimage, looking to him, trusting the promises of God, uh, the one who makes good and true promises, uh, and he keeps all of them. So, like Abram, uh, we follow God and look to the fulfillment of those promises in Christ. Any closing thoughts? Mm-mm. No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Very good. Well, thanks for listening to Watering Seeds. Uh, We hope you've all found this conversation helpful as you seek to live out your faith this week. Join us next week as we discuss the sermon on Genesis 12, verses 10 to 20. Give it a listen and submit any questions you have. You can grab us at church or you can just email our office at covenantreform.net. We will try to answer them next week. Until then, grace be with you all.